It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 13th of May. Oh boy, has a lot happened since we last talked. A front office shuffled by the Jazz. The Rockets are done. The Warriors have lived. And two incredible Game 7s. Plus, we had Joe Ingles breakdown on the schedule today. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully engaging your fandom and making it even more fun. It's available for you on that new Himalaya app. It's also available on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Uh, I wanted to give a thank out, thank you out, because the other day I mentioned this, and then all of a sudden uh, people, Michael Patterson, listening to Locked on Jazz, has empowered me as a fan. I love David's show and the ability it gives me as a fan to look behind the curtain. Before I found Locked on Jazz, I was a casual fan. I liked seeing the ball go through the hoop. I didn't understand the art strategy and little things that go behind the scenes. I feel better educated in finding myself forming my own opinions, disagreeing with a lot of social media hot takes and news opinions that often don't go deep enough. There. Pretty nice. Thank you, Michael Patterson. I certainly appreciate that nice iTunes uh, review. All right, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, the plan today was Joe Ingles. Um, however, we'll see if we get to it because there's just so much out there. Uh, there is news locally, so let's start there. Uh, the Jazz announced on Friday that they were um, elevating Dennis Lindsay to a new position of executive vice president of basketball and elevating Justin Zanuck to general manager dealing more with day-to-day items. So first, most important question is, what impact does this have on the Jazz? And I think the answer is very little. Um, I really think very little. Um... The Jazz have had a collaborative approach to decisions. Um, you know, Dennis is is known for um, being in the room and asking everyone in the room their opinion to, uh, you know, get that insight and feeling of what it is that, how everyone feels. He's, he's known for calling on the, you know, lowest of, not lowest, but you understand what I'm saying, of interns and and getting their take on something. Uh, that's something Dennis has talked about a great deal, about the collaborative mechanism by which they do things. Um, and that, I think, um, will continue. Uh, I do think that you have a very talented front office uh, on the top level with Dennis, Justin, and David Morway. And so, therefore... Um, you know, you're expanding the role of all three of them. Uh, while David doesn't get a promotion uh, per se, um, I think 
you know, there were two deep at that position prior, and now there's one. And so, therefore, I think you, in turn, that's a little, you know, that is a promotion. It's a, your duties change. Justin's strengths are um, very personable. Uh, former agent, so that he knows that world well. Uh, very, um, you know, hip is a is a weird word, but I, I'd say that I think he can. I think he can understand where people are coming from. Um, and so, I think that having you know, you're expanding as a as a front office, and you're uh, there's just a lot to do, right? As as the office as the company grows and as front offices grow, there's certainly a lot to do. So therefore, um, you know, you're dividing out duties a little differently. Uh, I do think that if you look at the strength of a guy like Justin, you know, being in those conversations. Um, doing the the conversation dance with other people um, around the league and agents and things like that that that's probably a dent, uh, a Justin strength big picture visionary analysis studies on things trying to find the next ledge trying to look at you know look ahead to where the league's going um, some of those items. Probably Dennis's strength. Um, you know, I'm oversimplifying a little bit here because um, there's some implication that when you when you announce that those are their strengths, that there are other things that are not their strength that the others aren't, and that's probably not accurate. But if you just kind of um, are looking at these guys and kind of wondering, well, why would you do this? I mean, I think you would do this because you're you're you have a very talented group. It's expanding duties. Um, you're maintaining your own talent. Um, and you're, I think, positioning guys a little bit into their realm of their strengths. You know, Dennis is a study guy. Dennis likes to do studies and look into things and cover uh, undercover every rock and, you know, maybe go, go on a... Uh, a, a, you know, look around and call and visit and find out what the next medical, you know, edge is, or you know, all the various things that you can that you can do. And I think Justin's a little bit more that wants to talk to the people and touch flesh and be that kind of guy. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, it doesn't mean that they're they're solely those things. But if I'm if I'm picking the strength of each guy, I think that might be fair. They might disagree. I don't. I don't. I mean, they wouldn't disagree adamantly. I don't think there's anything there that's... Um, but anyway, I think really it's just a case of defining roles, maintaining your own guys. So in turn, it it should only be a positive uh, for uh, the structure of the front office and the Jazz uh, moving forward. So that was interesting. Uh, fun to see that come out. Congratulations to Justin. He thought he had it in Milwaukee and then didn't get that opportunity to be the GM. Uh, and so I know that was... I know that was hard for him to, you know, kind of go through that. It's nice that he got to come back and then on a personal level um, be back as a GM. So uh, that's awfully nice to awfully nice to see. And they've got a very, very big uh, front office ahead of them. Uh, thoughts on Kemba Walker 
and thoughts on uh, Tobias Harris on how last night's Game 7 playoff games went on. And we'll try to get to Rockets-Warriors as well. And then um, uh, as then we'll... F- and we'll touch in on, uh, yeah, and then we'll get to Joe Ingles probably partially today, and then maybe not. We'll see. There's a lot. There's a lot. Got a lot of notes to my left hand side over here. Uh, we'll see if we get to the Joe Ingles breakdown uh, before the show ends. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Chevy. There are fun things going on in the Chevy world. Uh, right now, Murdoch Chevy is located right out in Woods Cross. I'll be driving by there today on my way up to, to Oak Ridge Country Club for an event with Ron, uh, Ron McBride. Uh, so Murdoch has been in Utah for over 90 years. They are embedded in this community. They are part of the culture. Chevy is a part of the Americana culture. Uh, the May Murdoch Million Sales event is going on. Buy any new Chevy in May and receive a $1,000 check. And then there's on the 2019 Equinox, you can get up to $8,500 off. The Equinox is a fabulous SUV. Two-door or four-door SUV, uh, two rows of seating. I drove it for a long time, really enjoyed it, found it uh, to be quiet, all the touchscreens to be easy to use, very user-friendly, uh, very, very well-made. The new Trail the Blazer is back, the 2019 Chevy Blazer. You can get $2,000 cash allowance on all models. It's sweet-looking. Uh, so check that out. And, of course, when you're talking Chevy, you're talking the Tahoe. You're talking the Suburban, and you're talking the amazing truck lineup of the Silverado truck. The strongest, most advanced advanced Silverado is out there now, and the Colorado. Check it all out at Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's go to the Blazers. Nuggets game. I'm going to probably work in reverse order to some extent. Um, I, I just thought both these teams laid it out, honestly. Um, you know, and I thought that was impressive. And I actually kind of felt like, you know, we've been talking the whole time that, well, if we were in that bracket and we played these guys, I kind of felt bad about that, actually. I thought, um, I, I thought that those guys really, both those teams in a game seven, laid it out there at such a high level that for us, you know, I think it might be true. I mean, there was, there was a play. There was just a bunch of stuff where just how dramatically different the game would be if we played. Like, I thought that Denver scored their first 16 points on Ennis Cantor. I really did. The first 16 points of the game, I thought, all were, like, right at Ennis Cantor. Um, 
and and then there was um, and you just couldn't do that. And there were just other plays where you know C.J. McCollum dragged a big all around the place and did a bunch of th- you just you weren't doing these things to us. Um, now C.J. McCollum and Dame Lillard pulling up from mid range, like that's the gap in our defense and. Uh, Dame obviously did not have a very good game, 3 of 17, though. The 10 rebounds and the 8 assists, and to some extent, that's what I'm talking about, is that, you know, Dame has 13 points on 3 of 17 shooting, but he also had 10 rebounds and 8 assists and made 3 steals and made so many plays, right? And they only turned it over 4 times in the whole game. There just were there were so many plays, and Terry Stott's ability to find ways to use his guys. Evan Turner playing point power forward, which I kind of like. I mean, I don't like Evan Turner's inability to shoot, but pretty interesting way to use Evan Turner and then having him post up late in the ball game was high level. That that was high level from Portland to come up with those kind of that kind of an idea and that, you know, using him in that fashion and it worked. And it gave them just enough buckets in a game that which the offenses were really, you know, pretty darn average. Um, the Denver Nuggets got 41 shots at the rim in that game. Like, I just don't think you're getting that. Um, you know, Portland took 34 mid-range shots in that game. Um, they hit 16 of them. Denver took 29 and hit 8. Um, by the way, one note, and, and I'll do some numbers running on this um, this week. Uh, there's like the there's the three point shooting is not does not feel as good in the playoffs right now. That's that's for certain. Uh, I don't know if that's just because we have games like that where both teams shoot so badly from three, six of whatever it was. Um, the two teams combined to go six of, I think forty three. And everyone said, well, the mid range is more valuable. So that could be true only in the sense that shooting is way down. But I don't think that's going to turn out to be true. Um, I think you're finding isolated when people are saying this. I think you're finding isolated games in which this is true. Uh, what the mid-range shooting is not any better, even though the best shooting teams are in the playoffs, um, and are the the best t- percentage mid-range shooting teams are still in the playoffs. Um, that actually is true. That that's of interest. Um, however, the mid-range shots are not going in at a higher level in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. Um, so that I'm hearing that a little bit. The mid-range shot might be more valuable maybe because three-point shooting is down. What is interesting is that not, and this is intuitively obvious, um, not the most, um, the not the teams that use the mid range shot. There's no correlation between them being in the playoffs and still being in the playoffs. Now, the teams that are making that made the most mid range shots, they are still in the playoffs. So the teams that shot the highest percentage in mid range shots. Um, those are actually those teams are still in. So there's some there's something to that. I was trying to find um, the exact data piece that I had. I'll I'll find it later. Um, but it's worth it's worth kind of looking at. Um, there's there's some other interesting little trends going 
of the amount of mid-major players that are, are having an impact, um, non-top draft picks, um, things that are a little non-traditional. You know, Giannis, Kawhi are probably the best players available. They're both picked in the teens. Jokic, obviously. Um, so there's a little bit of interesting kind of new trends that might be taking place there. I'm not sure that I would want to rest my franchise on them. Um, maybe that's a Dennis Lindsay project in his in his new role to, to uh, kind of thing I was talking about earlier. That I mean, that's something Dennis always loves. Dennis did a great project many years back on young high school players and kind of all-star games they play in and their likelihood to make the um, to make the final or make the NBA at whatever level based on what all-star game they played in led to a lot of really interesting um, a lot of really interesting finds um, in that process. Oh, here's this. Eight teams in the conference semifinals ranked in mid-range shooting percentage during the regular season. So this is in makes. Warriors were first, Blazers second, Raptors third, Rockets fifth, Celtics Six Celtics aren't in the semifinals. That's interesting. So um, I wonder why he or conference semifinals. Oh, this was Nuggets seventh, Sixers fifteenth, Bucks twenty third. Eight teams in the conference semifinals ranked in the mid range shooting attempts per game. So in other words, that was whether they made their shots. Then there's no correlation. Rockets take the fewest. Warriors take the second most. Celtics take the sixth. Bucks take the twenty seventh. Blazers ninth. Nuggets twentieth. Seventy Sixers eleventh. Raptors seventeenth. So, pretty interesting. There's no, there's no correlation between how many you take. You just better make them. And that kind of goes back to still shot making is still the primary issue on building of all these teams. Blazers-Nuggets game. Um, the other one is just the back to the Blazers-Nuggets game. The plays, the CJ block, those kind of energy, desire, fight plays. I think our guys have that in them. There's no question. But, um, you know, again, that's where I felt like these guys just were so great and played at such a high level, um, awfully hard to uh, criticize them. Great. Terry Stotts is, is brilliant um, and a great coach and doing great things to have that team still alive. One of the things they did on their pick and roll, I thought, was Denver shows the big high. And because the big's high, then if you're trying to get around the big, you he, they're able to stretch you out for long enough that the defense can shift and even if you get by the big after it's taking you four or five steps wide around the outside of, the, of Jokic, if he's the big that's out there since he played 42 minutes, then by the time you turn that corner, you, you've been veered out so far, you've either lost your angle or the defense can shift and you don't get much out of it. What, what Portland really did, and you have to have great, great ball handlers for this, is Portland starts splitting the double team. And that's where CJ's actually better than Dame at splitting the double team on the pick and roll. And he was able to split time and time and time again, getting in between Jokic and the pick. And when he was able to do that, that's what then you suddenly have a four on three behind you and it opens up everything. And uh, that was the, I think that was the major adjustment that they made was the ability to split that double team. Again, that's also one where when you're trying to figure out how the jazz, would, I just don't think you're doing that to us. Um, now we're playing that pick and roll differently, even if we come up top. Um, so you're not getting the same thing. And, you know, Denver obviously showed that they, there was a lot of things that they've done well with that. I'm not criticizing. I'm just, as I was watching these games and trying to figure out, you know, I, I just, I guess I don't think we're that far off Denver and Portland, but I don't, I think if there's an arrogance to saying we would beat them that I feel is kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit 
un, uncouth considering how hard both those teams um, played. So, um, you know, they that was that was something. You know, CJ only split. I went and looked it up. The double, the uh, pick and roll. It's not a common thing. You don't do it only split about 5% of the time during the regular season. But it's clearly something he can do with his great handle and his his ball handling skills. And he actually does it a little bit more than than Dame. And Dame's not particularly good at it. Um, Dame's not. Dame does it a little bit more. But Dame, um, he struggles on it a tiny bit compared to CJ. So... Not totally surprised that that's where they ended up making their adjustment is that they went to CJ on the split of that double team. Uh, but overall, I thought it was great. I thought interesting to our conversation of getting more athletic. You know, Al Farouk Aminu has been a pretty vital part of their franchise. He's played seven minutes and didn't play in the overtime. His just inability to make a shot. Uh, Mo Harkless, who's been another one of these athletes but can't really dribble, can't really pass, can't make a play, not a great shooter. Great athlete came back in, played 17 minutes, and, and his athleticism at a huge play with a jam follow, and then getting his own offensive rebound off a missed free throw. But again, he didn't play nearly as much. Zach Collins, you know, this is contrary to the kind of the mid-major thing. Zach Collins is a top 10 pick and just a really special player. Stood out, um, and what you know, even Evan Turner, who was a number two pick of the draft, and sure he's been a little bit of a bust, but like when it got right down to it, he just had some skills that were unique to who he was and allowed him to. Um, to stay in games. Uh, the the other one that jumped out to me with CJ is that is CJ and Dame. We've talked a lot about Kemba, and you watch that and having the two different ball handlers that can make plays um, was eye opening. And they're small in the backcourt. They're not great defensively. They don't have an elite center, but they're pretty good defensively, and they have Nurkic, and Gobert's better than Nurkic. You could build a pretty comparable team with Kemba and Donovan. I still think it's a delicate dance on how you're getting Donovan to understand that somebody's coming in here to take 24 or 25 possessions a game. But on the other end, you know, I just you better have a point guard next year. I just am not at all convinced that Donovan's ready for that. Um or if Donovan's going to be the guy, you're going to have to build a team with a lot of help around him. You know, frankly, Jamal Murray was criticized in that same manner or talked about in that same manner that he wasn't ready to be the point guard. And he's figured it out um, at times. And yet there are also some times when it's still deficient. His two-man game with Jokic is what he's really figured out, and they've become great. But I'm not sure I really still think that Jamal Murray is a pure point guard. It'll be interesting to listen to Adam Modest and Lockdown Nuggets. He's often very hard on Murray, um, which uh, gives me, you know, part of the insight there uh, or part of where I'm coming from there. Um, but I don't know, watching CJ drop 37 on a night where Dame's struggling, I'm definitely, and we'll talk about Tobias here in the next segment, uh, I'm still in the bag for Tobias, but I watched that and that was the argument for why you want Kemba Walker. That, you know, Denver, Gary Harris is terrific, but he doesn't really create. Denver was lacking another person who dribbled the basketball to create. Jokic creates a lot off the passes. Um, Toronto, you know, they win it, but, um, you know, Kawhi takes 40 shots, and someone like Pascal Siakam, who is really looked scared, um, wasn't able to do it, and you suddenly had, you know, Lowry's kind of creating for them uh, in an aged, in an older fashion, whereas the 76ers have... 
turn it over to Jimmy Butler playing pick and roll at the top. Simmons going down and playing on the baseline. There was there was a real luxury that Portland had with that second ball handler. And, and there's also another argument that Portland's regular season continues to be better than everyone thinks. And now they have a postseason that's better. I, I'm not so worried about their sweep last year that everyone that maybe there's something to that that's a little better um, than everyone realizes. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Iron Gate Global Advisors. Super interesting company. Spencer Nelson of former Utah Jazz, uh, Utah State player, is working over there in their financial uh, program. And he explains one of his partners and what makes this company so unique. Iron Gate Global Advisors is a Salt Lake financial group that's got a unique combination of talent. Spencer Nelson, former Utah State Aggie, is now working with him. That's how I found out about him. It's probably worth noting, Spencer's not just a hoop guy. He's got an MBA, accounting and finance degrees, worked in private equity, worked in Wall Street. Super smart dude. Anyway, got two guys leading this crew. Brian, who's a former Utah State guy, longtime investment management. He's the chief investment officer. And then there's Brett, who Spencer tells us about. Brett has a very cool background, which includes an opportunity he had to work with an options shop in Chicago named Thinkorswim, which is a very well-known options trading shop in the options world. He brings that unique skill set to Irongate, which adds another component to Brian's active management and being able to use options as an asset class to provide protection in down markets and generate income when markets are doing well or flat. Being able to combine myself and Brett and Brian's background and skill sets provides kind of a perfect marriage that really differentiates Iron Gate Global Advisors and provides real value to our clients. Find out more about Iron Gate by calling Spencer at 888-591-0334. That's 888-591-0334. Or email Spencer at Spencer at IGGA.com. That's Spencer at IGGA.com. Anytime we're talking investing, please understand that past performance isn't indicative of future results. Also, options may not be for everyone. They have different risks. Make sure you consult a professional before doing anything with them. Do your due diligence. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. So if CJ was an argument for Kemba Walker, which I think is a discussion, 
Like, it opened my eyes to it a little bit more. I had not closed the door to it, but I was really concerned on Kemba in regards to the idea of what it means um, to Donovan. And, and I still think it's a delicate dance, but I might be more willing to do the dance, I guess. Watching Philly, I'm not sure I can imagine Tobias Harris going back there. Unless they're getting rid of Jimmy Butler. And I can't really imagine them getting ready of Jimmy Butler. I mean, they turned that game over to Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, pick and roll, about every play throughout to close the game. Tobias Harris, I feel like, is an untapped offensive player. Now, let me be frank. I thought his defense was terrible. Um... I was a little, and I don't mean to be brutal, but I was a little blown away by how poor defensively he was. Um, but he played 42 minutes, got nine shots. It's the fifth time in the playoffs he got 12 or fewer shots. I can't believe that he wants to go back there. Unless it's just for the money, and then that I can't blame him. Mean, that's one hundred and four. If he gets offered one hundred and eighty-nine million dollars, and the most he can get on the market is one hundred and forty, so it's a forty thirty forty million dollar difference. Thirty-nine. You know, um, then I can't blame him. Now I don't love that, frankly, because um, I really think one hundred and forty million is probably sufficient. Um, but if you have, if you're being offered 190 million, I just think it'll be. I can't imagine Tobias Harris signing up for four more years of that. And actually, it's five if you're doing the deal with Philadelphia. Um, I just he's 26 years old. I think he's untapped offensively. I really do. I mean, even in the game last night. They ran a few high pick and rolls to him. He gets to the basket every time. And now Embiid's incredible pick setter. Joel Embiid's really great. The plus minus numbers with Embiid are just incredible. Um, so, I mean, I do. I, I really think that he is untapped. Uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I will admit I was a little taken aback by the defense. I'm not. Um, I was aware, but I wasn't so aware, <laughs> um, if that makes sense. Um, but I... I can't imagine he resigns for that. Now, I, I still, you know, does that open him up for Utah? Yes, um, in the sense that Utah probably gets a meeting. Um, but I also think that you, um, it's also very, very hard to be the one. You know, there's, and I think we're going to have a hard time as a franchise recruiting in that window. Um, I think if somebody comes here and touches us and plays with us and experiences our guys and experiences Quinn, I think you've got a chance. Um, but in the playoffs, they ran 158 pick and rolls with Jimmy Butler against Toronto. They ran 158 pick and rolls with Jimmy Butler. They ran 98 pick and rolls with Ben Simmons, and they ran 74 with Tobias Harris. And Tobias Harris was the best of the three. And the Tobias Harris to LMB pick and roll was 1.17 points per pick and roll. Incredible. Ben Simmons didn't have anyone that was that good. Butler and Embiid wasn't bad. But Tobias Harris just takes a back seat when he shouldn't be in that offense. I do, did think 
So I just will be surprised if Tobias resigns. Um, I just think at 26 years old, his ability to do all these other things, I think he's untapped offensively. I I can't. I would think he would take the 141. Now, let's ask the other question. This guy's never been in an All-Star game. I'm not sure he ever does play in an All-Star game. I really don't. Like, I like him a lot. I, 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 the only way he plays in an All-Star game is if he's on a team that gets two or three All-Stars. Right? Let's say, like, our perfect dream is he comes and plays for us. Like, Rudy and Donovan are probably making the All-Star game before he does. Like, are you, are you as a franchise really willing to pay 131 for a guy that may never play in an All-Star game? I mean, that's really what we're talking about. Possibility of playing, a, playing $131 million for a guy that would never, that I'm not sure is an All-Star. Like, I'm pretty certain he's not, actually. Now, because Donovan is not on his full contract, you can overpay someone uh, until Donovan's contract comes up and then probably get away with it. But, you know, to the conversation of Kemba, again, I don't think we're having our choice of these guys, but the conversation of Kemba, Kemba is legitimately an Eastern Conference, at least, an all-star. Now, now I worry about Kemba playing Western Conference point guard. I really do. I just think it's a very different scenario. Uh, Donovan is on his rookie contract. And through 2019 and 2020, and then he's a restricted free agent in 2021, in which you then max him out. So he gets paid in three years. Rudy, by that point, very well could be, by 2021, we we end up with a math problem in 2021, three years down the road. I think you just deal with it between now and then. Donovan, you'll be able to re- you'll sign up. Rudy will end up being a um, uh, he might be a super max by then if he keeps getting honors um, and winning defensive player of the year, so he, he's already there. And then um, Donovan is going to start getting paid. Uh, but right now, Donovan's cap figure is $3.1 million. So you can take advantage of that a little bit. Um, all right, Rockets Warriors. Uh, Scout with Brian, I tweeted it out, did a really neat breakdown of what the Warriors did, um, how they used some slip-of-the-pick stuff with Steph late. And it's interesting. It is an example of where without Durant, they got back to who they are, uh, were able to move the ball, run some plays, spin it around. There's no question those guys wanted to win without Durant. Like, Durant, they can say all the right things. Durant has rubbed them wrong all year. Durant's quest to be outside, you know, strength with numbers that has been the talk of who they are. That's not a Durant thing. Durant's not a strength and numbers guy. Um, and so absolutely um, there was a, I think there's a feeling there of, of that those guys wanted to, to put one down and, and get that win. Uh, the other one is the, the Rockets. James Harden is so great that to count them out in any fashion seems absurd. But Chris Paul is definitely slipping. Every player you've talked to who's ever aged out of the NBA says, like, one day you get up and it's just not there anymore. 
I don't know if it's already there, gone for Chris Paul, but it's pretty close. He's going to be miserable as he gets older for a team. I don't think you can ask for more out of Harden. They're not going to go away. And they probably are going to be very similar to what they were this year, where they're just not as great during the regular season. And then you get to the playoffs, and Harden's still exceptional. And they're really good. But they're in a bind, and I do think that there's a little bit of a, um, I, I, you know, silly for someone in Utah to say that doors are closing on teams and Harden's still in his prime. But I think the door is closing there. And that, you know, they were a 53-win team this year who then had a second-round playoff run and probably could have been a Western Conference finalist. And, and then they really battled the Warriors well. I just think that that's they're, – they're slipping. What's, what's exciting here in the Western Conference is if you're buying a stock on these teams, Golden State losing Durant probably means their stock is – price is dropping. The Nuggets – I think their stock price is going up. The Blazers, I'm not sure. Honestly, I mean, Dame and CJ are peaked. Zach Collins' stock is going up. They don't have great cap space. Um, They are who they are. They're terrific. Um, Terry Stotts is amazing. Um, But I I I don't think that stock price is going up. Houston stock price is going down. Utah stock price should be going up. Oklahoma City stock price should be going down, unless they're changing their head coach here. We don't know about it. And Russell's knees and more surgeries. San Antonio stock price is probably level. Clippers stock price is certainly going up. Kings stock price is certainly going up. Lakers stock price should be going up, but their dysfunction is ridiculous. And then whatever happens with the with the trade um, with the lottery is going to be the st- where the stock price on everybody else is. And Pelicans is probably going down. Memphis is probably going down. Dallas is heading up. Phoenix, who God only knows. Um, so we'll see. But I think it's an interesting time in the Western Conference where it does not feel like, you know, people are getting better and the Warriors losing Durant should come back to the pack while still being, you know, I, I, I've i said this a lot. Next year, the Warriors without Durant have this team and they probably build some depth around it and they go win the title. And just to prove, prove it, they'll be so, so possessed uh, without Durant. And Steph's just that great. And Draymond is still that great. If he's right, they're great. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Obviously, we didn't get to Joe Ingles. I didn't think we would, so we'll do that tomorrow. Have a great day. Super, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it very much. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now, wherever you get podcasts, and hit that subscribe button.